It's really such a privilege to be able to, to speak to all of you. I love all of you. This is like my home. This is my family. So thank you so much for giving me the privilege to speak here today. We're in the middle of a series, the Life Hack series. Alex started off our series, Passion Over Anger. How many of you remember Alex's talk? <laughs> Last week we had our very own Pete Winter speaking on forgiveness. And today from the verse that Jesus spoke to his listeners, we're going to talk about the subject of worry. And whenever I think about worry, I remember when I was in year nine, I went to this parents' evening. I tried my best to avoid them every year, but one year I couldn't get away from them. And it was year nine, and there was this one teacher in particular. I remember his name up until today because he haunts me. And, and his name was, was Mr. Knight. He was my history teacher. And I really don't know what he had against me because I was the best student. I always gave him my, my homework. I never bunked. I was always on time. I never spoke like to my friends in class. So I don't know why he hated me and he always said the opposite of all those things. So I knew that he was waiting for parents' evening to find my mother to tell her everything that I had been doing. So obviously what I tried to do, so I tried to take my mum to the one or two teachers who I knew more or less liked me first. And I tried to like, like skirt, like go all the other ways I could to just avoid Mr. Knight seeing me. I tried to be like James Bond so that he couldn't see me and I was like hiding and going in and out. But eventually, he saw me from across the hall and he, he didn't care, he shouted, Fernando, come here. And I, and I pretended like I didn't know who he was talking to, so I was like, <laughs> um, but then my mom was like, I think, he's, I think he's calling us, so I had no other option than to go and sit at Mr. Knight's. And you know how scary it is? The teacher's there, there's two seats, so I'm there sitting down. And, and then he just begins, he just begins telling my mom about all the things I've been doing, all the things I haven't been doing, more like, all the times I've, he's been telling me off and I've run away or I've bunked lesson or I haven't been there or I've done things I probably shouldn't say that I've done here. And, and there's, one th I, there's one thing, Latin moms, my mom's Colombian, I come from a Colombian family. Um, but there's one thing that, that Colombian moms do, and all they have to do is give you a look. And, and basically that look, when you get that look, it strikes fear to the deepest part of your soul. And I was sitting there with Mr. Knight, and, I was, and, and all my, my mom just looked at me. She turned around and looked at me, and I knew that something bad was about to happen. So I always worried for parents' evening. I worried that night. I, I ended up crying that night, and I was bullied for a few months afterwards by all my friends for crying at parents' evening. Um, and then I, I remember another time, I was, I was around 17, um, about 10 years ago now, and I remember I was brought into a courtroom and there was a judge, um, he looked a bit like Alex actually. Um, it could have been Alex, but I don't think it was. Um, and, and, he, and he just said, Fernando, we've given you three chances. I had broken three of my bell conditions and, and he just said, you have no more chances. And I remember as they handcuffed me and took me down the stairs in the back of the courtroom to a cold cell in the bottom of the court as they were gonna take me to Huntercombe Young Offenders Institute. I remember that night as they put me in this white van, in this little cubicle, sitting down, handcuffed to the sides, and as I looked through the windows, and I was just worrying, thinking, what, how did my life end up this way? As I looked at the landscape as it went past, I was so worried about what the next months would hold for me, whether or not I'd ever change my life. I felt so helpless, so I worried about that for some time. And then when I was 19, um, I was taken to Colombia again, I, I was going to rehab now for four months. 
And I remember as I was kind of, I got off one of those old buses that they have and I was just walking towards this, this house on the outskirts of Bogota. And I remember as we had to knock on the door to, for me to be let in and I knew I would be staying there for four months, I was just worried about what those four months would, would look like. And as I walked in and I saw like 40 other young people who I knew were like addicted to crack and heroin and I just thought, how did my life end up this way? I was worried about what the next months were going to look like. I remember when I was in rehab thinking about what it would be like to come back to London. I had no routine, no structure, I didn't finish school. I was worried about whether or not I'd ever actually make it into normal society. I still worry about that even now. <laughs> um, and even now, at the moment, at this moment in time, I'm, I'm about to get ordained in June, July, which is, which is crazy. Um, but I worry about whether or not I'll, I'll be good enough for this. I worry about whether or not I'm any good at, at helping others, whether or not I'm any good at, at speaking, whether, whether I'm any good at discipling people. I really want to. There's nothing more I'd rather do, but I worry about whether or not I'd ever be good at that. Me and my friends have started this charity. It's called Wellwater, and we want to like, change the narrative of young people by empowering a generation of world changers. We're adopting this community in Nigeria trying to build them a well, a school, a hospital, and, and we've got teams of architects and all these different teams trying to do this thing, and I worry, can I actually help them? Can I actually make a meaningful impact in their lives? I really want to do my best, but can I actually do this? I worry about that all the time. But what do you worry about? What are the things going on in your mind right now? Whenever we hear on the subject of worry, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What are you thinking about just right now? Do you worry about what people think about you? Do you worry about um, your friends finding out about what you've been doing? Do you worry about how many followers or likes you have on Instagram or I don't, Facebook? No one cares about that anymore. <laughs> do you worry about how well you'll do in school? Do you worry about your grades? Do you worry about what you're about pleasing your parents? Do you worry about how well your business is doing? Do you worry about people finding out about how much debt you've accumulated without telling anybody because you look like you have it all together on the outside? Worry can, can be so crippling, it can be difficult to overcome. And there are some practical things that, that we can do for worry. Um, I used to think that all worries were the same. Uh, I went to, to speak to a friend one day, um, uh, well, it's Lucas. Lucas is is my Polish friend. Have you seen him around? He's, he's always serving and hosting. And, and one day I, I said to Lucas, Lucas, like all my friends are like getting married. They're all like having families. Like I kind of want to get married now. Like I'm turning 28. I think I'm losing my hair a little bit. I'm kind of losing my, t I, I think I need to hurry up on this. And, and I was actually really worried about this. And then, and then Lucas like kind of said to me, okay, cool. Like, so you're worried about this. So, so obviously like there must be like somebody that you like or, or something you're, and, and I was like, well, not really. So, so he was like, well, well, there must be somebody that you're speaking to or trying to like get to know. Um, no. And then he was like, well, there mu you must be on one of those apps. You must be on like Salt or you must be on, oh, you guys know about that, isn't it? Yeah, okay, you guys know about that. All right, or you must, or you must, be, you must be on Tinder or you must be on Christian, you must be on something. I was like, I'm not actually, no. 
He was like, well, you must be going to places at least to try and like meet somebody. I said, well, no, I'm not. So then he just, the way that only he can say, he, not very lovingly, he just said, well, stop being stupid and stop worrying about something that you can do something about. Because there are some worries which are actionable worries. They're like solvable worries. And the litmus test for solvable worries are if we feel as though if we tell our friends about them, then they'll give us something that there's like a plan of action that we can do about them. And it's important for us to, to understand this, that some of our worries, there are things that we can actually do about them. So for example, there are courses that we can go if we're, if we're struggling with debt. There are courses that we can go on if we're having troubles in our relationships. So some worries, there's, there's some actions that we can do to help solve those worries. There are other worries, and these are like floating worries. Um, about two and a half years ago, um, I was engaged and it was really difficult, but we, we, end, we decided to, to end the engagement and she was really, she was amazing, she was beautiful, she was really intelligent, she loved Jesus, but, but we just thought that it was, it was the right time for us to kind of like maybe not be together anymore. And for, for two and a half years almost, I thought about her and that situation every single day. Every day I thought about whether or not we made the right decision. Every day I thought about how she'd be doing. Every day I thought about whether or we, ke- we could get back together. Every day I thought whether or not maybe it was just going to be for a season. I just thought about it, 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 thought about it. And I spoke to my, my mentor. His name's Mark. I go to his house every Wednesday and we talk over breakfast. And, and as I was telling him about what I was worrying about, he, he explained to me over some weeks that, Fernando, sometimes there are situations in your life where where there's just nothing you can do about it anymore. And there's no use worrying if there's nothing you can do. So floating worries are, are things that, that give us something to do without actually taking us anywhere. I like this quote um, by Irma Bombeck. It says, worry is said to be like a rocking chair. It gives us something to do without actually taking us anywhere. Sometimes floating worries can be like that. They can be like a cloud over our minds that, that give us something to do, but we can't actually do anything about it. So it's important for all of us to, to have people in our lives that we can speak about our worries to, that they can tell us if there are things that we can actually do something with them or if there's things that we can't do anything about them. Because if we have floating worries, that there's nothing we can do about them, bit by bit, as we begin to notice what they are, they, they lose their strength over our minds. And lastly, there were like unreasonable worries or unrealistic worries. Um, I have this counselor. His name is Richard. He's like a spiritual father to me now. And, I, and I'd go into counseling and I'd say, Richard, okay, I'm here. I read these verses in scripture. It talks about having joy and peace and love and like do not worry. So I want to live a life with absolutely no worries. I want to live a life with no problems, just joy all the time. And, and it's... I don't know if all counselors do this, but Richard has this amazing gift of, he, I'm just, I don't know if he, I'm just, he just sits there and, and he just kind of like, he'll just look at me. So I'm just like, yeah, Richard, I want to have no problems, no worries, nothing. But he'll just sit there and he'll just stare at me. So I kind of like don't know what to do, but as, as I do that over and over again, I begin to realize um, what he's doing. He lets me come to the realization that some worries are just completely unreasonable and unrealistic. Because I was worrying about worrying. (laughs) I was worrying about the fact that, because I wanted to have absolutely no worries. And he looked at me one day and said, Fernando, you can live like 
that way, but if you were to live that way, you'd have to be a robot. Because even though Jesus does promise that we'll have no, to, not, to not worry, and he does promise peace, and he does promise joy, he also promises persecution and rejection. So what Jesus is giving to us today in this scripture isn't a life of absolutely no worries, because some worries we need to do something about, some worries we need to deal with, and it's good to do the practical stuff. But Jesus is saying, actually, there's a place where you can go where worries won't have control over your mind, where worries won't have dominion over you. There's a place where you can get to where worries won't control you anymore. So he says to them, do not worry. In Matthew 5, we find Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and it says that the crowds were following Jesus. There were rich people, poor people, healthy people, sick people. Sometimes we think that Jesus only spoke to religious people, but actually the crowds followed Jesus because he walked and spoke like somebody they'd never seen before, that he spoke with authority. He also raised the dead and claimed to be God, so everybody wanted to hear what Jesus was saying. And the Sermon on the Mount is, is in Capernaum, and I was there earlier this year. I've got a picture of me there. There you go. Hey, my selfie game's not that good. And I've also got, got a picture where the actual place where Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount is in this church here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to be taking pictures there, but um, basically what happens when you go to Israel to these locations, they say, this is the place where Jesus said the Sermon on the Mount to the closest 1,000 miles. So you're kind of there, but really you're probably not there. But anyway, that's where Jesus was, where he said the Sermon on the Mount, and the crowds were following Jesus. They wanted to hear what he was saying. He's been teaching them the Beatitudes, the beautiful attitudes of a Christian. He's been teaching them about divorce, about money, about relationships, about forgiveness, about anger. And now he comes to speak to them about worry. And I'm just going to read two of the verses because we've already heard them. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the, money more, and the body more than clothes? And he ends with, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus knew that his, list, that his listeners, the people there, were struggling with spending money to alleviate their worries. They were struggling with comparison. They were struggling sleeping at night. So he tells them, this is how you don't worry. Do the practical stuff. But this is a spiritual aspect. This is how you deal with worry. And I think Jesus says to them, focus on me over your worry. I think Jesus in this portion of scripture says to them, focus on me over your worry. And he says to, this to them in two ways. If you'd see in the verse, it begins with therefore. So whenever you read this in scripture, I'm at St. Elias at the moment, I just finished a master's and this is what you kind of learn. He says, so this is what you learn when you do masters. When, when it says therefore, you have to find out what it's there for. Wow. That's good, isn't it? Two years of masters for that. Amazing, isn't it? So, no, there's a lot more you learn. There's a lot more you learn. So he says therefore. So it's important for us to understand what it's there for. And I think Jesus says to his listeners, focus on me over your worry. And he says this to them in two ways. And the first way I think he says it is focus on my kingdom. Jesus says to them, just in the verses before that. So when you see therefore, you have to find out what it's there for. Read the few verses behind. Then Jesus says to them, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart 
will be also. Jesus begins by telling his listeners, we have to change what we focus on. Because sometimes we're focusing on things that don't last. We're focusing on things that don't matter. We're focusing on things that are here for a short moment but then fade away. We're focusing on things that really, um, we actually forget we even focused about them. I like this quote. It says this. If you really, it says, if you want to test your memory, try and recall what you were worrying about one year ago today. Because sometimes we're so fixated on things that don't actually last, that don't actually matter, that Jesus says to his listeners, we have to change our focus. Begin on focusing on my kingdom and on something that lasts longer than our lifetime. Because we're, we're here for a short while, but there are things that we can do that make an eternal impact. Say to the person next to you, are you making an eternal impact? And Jesus, and Jesus tells them, and Jesus then goes ahead and shows them how to make an eternal impact. He says this verse to them, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all things will be added onto you. And sometimes we read this verse so often that it loses its significance. But Jesus is simply telling his listeners, focus on my ways being made manifest here on earth. Move your focus from, from yourself onto my ways and onto others. Love the poor, forgive, help others. Focus on my kingdom above your own. Because when you shift your focus, worries begin to fade. I found some practical ways that we can begin to put his kingdom first in our lives. And, and if we're just starting off doing this, perhaps some of us are here for the very first time, a very quick and easy way to do that is, is to open a, a, a devotional before Instagram. I know that's crazy, it's crazy that you can open an app before Instagram in the morning, but it is possible. There are apps on version that you can simply do a devotional. It's two or three, four, five minutes that you could just simply read before opening Instagram. Or how about listening to a worship song before doing anything else? Before listening to the latest Dua Lipa heartbreak song? Before listening to, I don't know. Well, you can actually listen to Kanye West, Jesus King album. But find ways of, of putting Jesus first in your life. Find ways of, of focusing on him and his kingdom before our own. There are ways that we can do that here in this church. Give generously to, to somebody or to something. Sponsor a child through compassion. Put Jesus first in your finances. Put Jesus first with your time. Serve something greater than your own life. Serve the homeless shelter like Alex said. Serve a charity, serve the church, join a team. Do something that will last longer than your life. Mentor somebody. There's always somebody that we can mentor. There's always somebody younger than us that needs to hear our wisdom. Seek Jesus' kingdom first by giving your life in service of others. And the promise is that he'll all things will be added onto you. I remember when, when I first became a Christian, I was really struggling. And then about two years in, I had an an amazing encounter with Jesus where he spoke to me and he said, I will love you no matter what you do. And at that moment in time, I just thought, okay, I think God wants me to open Bible studies. So I basically opened like five Bible studies, one on every day of the week. And it would take me basically a week to prepare a 20 minute 
like teaching for one person because I had like one person each day. But I was like, I was committed. I was not going to stop. And bit by bit, those little things just started to grow. People started to get baptized. They became Christians. And actually, a lot of those people I st I'm still in contact with today and I still meet up with them on a weekly basis. And I've noticed that as I've put Jesus first in my life, he's taken care of all my needs. Ten years ago, I was in prison. Eight years ago, I was in rehab. One month from now, I'm about to get ordained. It's a, it's a miracle. And I'm not saying, and this isn't like a get-rich-quick scheme. I've had, I've had heartbreaks. I told you I've, I've, an engagement ended. I've had heartaches, friends that have left me, people that have spoken badly about me, difficult situations in my life. It's not easy. But what I have noticed in the midst of it all, that he's always taking care of me. So will you focus on his kingdom? Focus on him over your worries. And the second thing that I noticed that Jesus did in these verses is that he kept on reminding his listeners about how valuable they were. He says to them over and over again, are you not more valuable than they? Are you not more valuable than they? Look at this, are you not more valuable than that? I know your needs, your father knows your needs, your father will take care of you, your father will take care of you. And he says it to them over and over and over again. And I think Jesus wants us to focus on him over our worries by focusing on his words. I love that song, um, I am a child of God. What's it called? I am a child? Who you say I am? Yeah, I do actually love it. I do know it. I, I, lo I love that song because it speaks promises that God speaks over us. And we can just declare that over and over again in our lives. One of the things I think that we struggle with the most are the voices in our heads. The voices that tell us we're not good enough, the voices that tell us that nobody would love us, the voices that tell us that we're insignificant, the comparison trap that we're always in. But Jesus wants to remedy that by saying to them, focus on my words. One of the ways that I do that, and I think would be helpful if, if you guys did it because it's really changed my life, I have this journal, um, and at the back I have these declarations that I speak over myself every morning and at night before I go to bed. And it almost, it, it helps remind me of who God says I am and the truths that, that God speaks over my life. Because when I understand those things, it combats worries. One of the ones, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a few out. And would, you, would it be okay if you guys say it with me so we can practice that? Good. So I'm going to say it anyway and you're going to follow with me. Good? So, I am a, a son or a child or a daughter. I am a son loved by my father in heaven. So much that I sit on his shoulders as he cares for me. I am strong and secure because my father renews my strength so that I can mount up on wings like eagles. And I have about 10 others that I just say over myself because I know I need to remind myself of what God says to me, of what his promises are in my life. I need to focus on him over my worries. I need to focus on his kingdom over my kingdom. I need to focus on his words over my life than over the voices that go on in my head. And the only way I could illustrate this and I could think of, and I think the picture that I could best think of of how Jesus wanted us to think about worries. Lucas, would you come forward? Okay, we haven't practiced this, so this might be very lethal and dangerous. So if we were to imagine that all our worries were, were down here, come. I, I feel like this is God's. Get down a bit. Three, two, one, go. And, and I feel like when we, seek, when we seek 
when we focus on him over our worries, let's say our worries are down there. They're still going to be there. They're not going to be eliminated, but we have a higher view of them. We know who takes care of me. We know who's in control. And I can keep on going to where God wants for me. He's going to take care of my needs. My God's bigger than me. He'll take care of me. My worries can't come to reach me when he's in control. Cool. <laughs> so if you, if you leave with anything, remember that that's where you're seated. You're seated on his shoulders. He takes care of you. He's bigger than your worries. He's bigger than what you're going through. He's bigger than your past. He's bigger than what you're afraid of. But focus on him over your worries. Focus on his kingdom. Focus on his words over your life. Imagine if we were a people that were so committed to focusing on him than over the things that happened in our lives. Imagine if we were so committed to seeking his kingdom over our own. If we were so committed on focusing on his promises over than the words that were spoken over us. What kind of impact would we have in this world? And I think that's what Jesus wants for us. I think that's how Jesus wants us to not worry.